I am the son of Airman, a nephew to five, actually six, former members of the United States Army. I am a cousin to three, two who are no longer in the United States Army, and one who is currently active. At least on my mom's side of the family. Military. Runs through their veins. I myself wanted to be a member of the United States Air Force. Due to unfortunate circumstances, I wasn't able to do so. But I saw it as a blessing in disguise that allowed me to move to Myrtle Beach. And be there for three years. So in a sense, my path was not the United States Air Force. But every day, I wake up knowing that my family had that background. A military that spans at least 200 some odd years. That protect us every day to make sure we have the freedoms that we have. Allows me the freedom to speak how I want to in any given fashion, at any given moment. The freedom to have this podcast and speak on professional wrestling the way I want to. Without our military doing what they have done. And what they had done in the past allows us to be ha- to have these freedoms going all the way back to the 1700s when we fought for our freedom as a country. Every year, for the longest time that I can remember, has become more and more special to me. Veterans Day is a day that we can honor those who have fought for us, who have served this nation. And be able for us to do what we want to do on a daily basis. To go to a concert. To go play mini golf. To vacation whenever, wherever we want to. To do just certain normal things that we do. Get up and go to work. Meet with friends. Veterans Day with every passing year should should grow more and more important. I I work with former members of the military, Army, Marines. You know, I see it every day in their work ethic and how they work, and how they how they carry themselves. They do deserve a certain level of respect that they have rightfully earned. For us to do what we do day in and day out. Veterans come into my place of work. And when I was used to work in one of the departments I worked in. I always made sure to thank them for their service no matter what. No matter what branch. From the Air Force and the Marines. From the Army to the Navy. 
one of my very good friends who uh, is a former member of the United States Navy. I used to work with a guy on, when I used to have a, my golfing job doing landscaping. A former member of the Marines used to work with us. And I've listened to stories about their time in the military. A friend, a childhood friend I used to know back in the day. He was, he's a former Marine. Served in Iraq. Got home safe. You know? I want to take this time out to thank those who have served for us, who have given their lives for us, to allow us to do what we want to do every day. The freedoms we do have, they're the reason we have them. It's tough knowing that there still are those not to be able at home in, their, in the United States because they're protecting our country. You know, all the Middle East bullshit or whatever. Those who are not going to be home with their families for Thanksgiving. To be able to just sit with their families and eat turkey and watch football and just relax with the fam. What they do is different. Day in, day out. They are putting their lives on the line for us. And I know a lot of people, as you always see in the news media, you know, everybody's, you know, talking about, you know, the veterans mm-hmm. and how, how to take care of them and how we should be able to take care of them. And there's news out there that that's shown that, you know, you know, we aren't taking care of our veterans properly, especially when they come home. Serving time in Iraq, PTSD, all that, all that crazy shit. If nothing else today, thank a veteran. Talk to them. Take the time to learn, you know, what they have done, what happened, their war stories. If you have any members in your family that have served, thank them. Thank them for what they have done. Thank them for their service. I've met veterans that fought in the Korean War, Vietnam War, Middle East, you know, in the 90s, to present day. Honestly, if you're if you're out and about, if you work with someone who used to be a veteran, who used to serve, you know, any friends, thank them today. Thank them for what they have done for this country. So have and they have served proudly. They made the ultimate sacrifice. Some who are able to come home, some who aren't. Unfortunately, there are those who have passed on, whether it be through war or other diabolical shit. There are those who can't come home. 
I know we're two weeks away from Thanksgiving. Actually, three. No, two. Math is a bit off. If you work with them, if you know them as family, friends, those who come into your place of work, if you work in service, thank a veteran. Take time out to thank a veteran. At my job today, I actually, you know, shook hands with a couple that I've worked with. Wish them happy Veterans Day. Because they deserved it. You know? It only takes a few seconds to thank someone. It means more when it's those who have served and were able to come home. World War One, World War Two. Think a veteran today. Matter of fact, think a veteran every day. Thank you for your service. To them, those five words truly go a long way. Whether you know it or not. Because without them doing what they've done and able to protect our our country, none of what we do is possible. Some of you are entrepreneurs, CEOs, middle management, or at the bottom rung. Five words. Just a few seconds of your day. And I guarantee you the person you tell that to, it will make their day. That you recognize them for what they have done. Thank those who have passed. Like I said, some aren't able to aren't going to be able to come home this Thanksgiving or Christmas. They'll be in other parts of the world doing what they do, protecting us. So you and I have the freedom to say what we want, do what we want, however we want, and with whoever we want. Think a veteran today. Trust me. I did. And you know what? To them, I'm sure those five worlds were well worth it. This is episode 128 of The Young Lion's Perspective. Actually, I'm sorry, episode 129 of The Young Lion's Perspective. Happy Veterans Day to those who serve, who have served, And unfortunately, gave their lives to serve for this country. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 129 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday evening, apparently, because where I live in Jersey, it's already dark as fuck. It's five o'clock and it's dark shit already. 
for the life of me, I can't understand it. That just means winter's coming. Possible snow. But at least I look forward to Thanksgiving, which is always nice. Anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Before we get into thanks, just want to let you guys know voting is still open for the 2019 Wrestling Podcast Awards. And yours truly is actually up for a goddamn award. I know it's shocking to me, too. I am up for Newcomer of the Year. So here's what I want you to do. If you are voting in the Wrestling Podcast Awards, cool. If you love the Young Lions perspective and you want this podcast to be recognized as 2019 Newcomer of the Year, here's what I want you to do. Go to my Twitter page, at SwedeSenatorWWI. I have a pinned tweet up there with a retweet. Pretty much me saying I'm, I think I'm being trolled. Click on that on the tweet, not my shit. Click on the tweet. It'll send you like a hell have you a link to it. You can go straight. It's a hyperlink right to the Wrestling Podcast Awards. Vote for who you want to win. Podcast of the year, best solo, best duo, best trio, most comedic. I forget the other ones, but I know that the one that is most important, the one that I want more than anything in this world is newcomer of the year. So go to my Twitter page, at WWI. click on that tweet, vote for who you want to win the 2019 Wrestling Podcast Awards, and of course, vote for your boy, the Young Lions Perspective, to become Newcomer of the Year. Also, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast in terms of breaking news, uh, any 60-second thoughts I may have on video for Instagram, when I live tweet, all that good shit, hit me up, of course, like I said, on Twitter, at WWI. that's S-U-E-D-E. S-E-N-A-T-O-R capital W capital W capital I I do live tweeting for AEW Smackdown Live every AEW live pay-per-view minus what happened on Saturday shut up I told you in advance damn it I told your ass in advance I wasn't gonna be there for the shindig but as long as you left me a plate we might be cool (laughs) acting out on a Monday it is what it is but if you want to follow me over on my Instagram, follow me there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast in and of itself. If you do enjoy this episode and you have any thoughts on the episode itself, what you thought about AEW full gear from this past Saturday night, send me a voice message. Do not hesitate to send me a voice message. Anchor.fm slash young lions perspective. Trust me, I've gone to the page itself. I've done it myself. Not send me a voice message, but I've done it. Just click on voice message, say what you want to say, and if I like it enough, I will have no problem featuring it on a future episode of The Young Lion's Perspective. I believe I've gotten all my obligations to start out of the way. Now let's get into what y'all asses came here for. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW Full Gear. I have to say, I was glad that I didn't watch on Saturday. Of course, I got went out, went out to the billiard hall, just a ways away from where I live at, and played some pool with the boys, caught up on some things, learned some news, you know, talking shit as usual, eating pizza, you know, having a few brews with the squad, and it was nice to see him. It has been a while, because I haven't seen all, all of them, all of us hadn't been together since my buddy Dan's birthday, not birthday, wedding, and back in May. Nah, April. Jesus Christ, I can't remember things. 
yeah. So it was nice to see them all. You know, we all hang out, chill. It was really good to catch up with the boys. Because we all live in different, separate parts of the state now. Um, so I don't see them as often. I try to see them at least once a month when I can. And I know I'm uh, meeting up with them for New Year's. So I am looking forward to that. But that is not the point. The point is AEW full gear. Good, the bad, and the ugly. And of course, you already know, unless unforeseen circumstances where it's most important to start with the ugly, we will start with the good today. And which is and which that means for you guys, that means it was a better show than I thought it was. So, where do we start? Hmm. Where do we start? There were so many good things that came out of AEW full gear. But where do we start? Hmm. I'm going to say this. Right the fuck now. Cody versus Chris Jericho. Wow. Just wow. Let's talk about it. The match, man. I, I, I was honestly very surprised. And in a very good way. I knew this was going to be a good match because Jericho and Cody are two of the of the best names in the business. And they know how to put on a good match. And putting them together was actually a very smart move. Um, these two went at it. Even up to the point where Cody got the stitches. They told an amazing story. That the pressure was on for Cody to become the AEW World Champion. Otherwise, he will never challenge for the title ever again. The story was already there. They just had to go on next queue. And what they did was just put out what I'm easily considering an honorable mention of the year. Everything about that match was properly done to the second everything about that match was properly done even down to the little details you know what I mean with Chris Jericho having the weight belt with the champion on it Hager doing some Hager making some noise on the outside MJF trying to be the baby face but a lot of people knew he was going to turn eventually Cody and Jericho is one of those matches you're definitely going to remember for not just this year, but for the next couple of years. They went literally all out balls to the wall. I was thoroughly impressed. You know, right after the cut happened, Jericho was on the offensive with that. Jake Hager getting ejected. MJF really giving us babyface vibes with his mannerisms and everything. It was well done. It was well orchestrated. And there's nothing about that match that I'm mad about. That what that spot that Cody had when he landed face first and damn near half scorpioned when he landed onto the ramp wasn't even the cringiest part of the night. And it was one of the cringiest moments of the show. It's hard for me to cringe. It really is. I watched Dr. Pimple Popper Let's Go Out style. I've, I've seen pictures on Instagram where people have had surgery and they showed a shit. I'm like, oh, okay. I have a morbid sense of humor. I can't help myself. 
But to see that in action, to see the whole spot in action was mesmerizingly cringe. The fact that he fought on after that, of course, is commendable. And then we got to the end. Cody was in the Lion Tamer. Never tapped out. MJF was, he's a young, he's still, I mean, mind you, he's in his early 20s and he's still a young buck. In that moment, his character was just fearful of Cody losing. Fearful. He felt like he had no other choice but to throw in the towel. Now, I was shocked by that. Because I, I hadn't seen an ending like that in a while. And for some reason, I, it gave me Owen Hart vibes. When I think, I forget. Oh, oh man, I can't believe who Brett. But I think, I'm trying to think of who Brett Hart was facing when Owen threw in the towel. You know what? I'm going to look that up right now. We got time. Got a little bit of time before Seahawks 49ers. We're all good. throwing in the towel okay Bob Backlund yeah Survivor Series 94 immediately in that moment that's what I thought I'm not even lying to you I'm like they really went they really went with that I mean he's got Cody Rhodes' guy's mom outside the ring and like by ringside front row seats mom and dad and in that moment Cody wasn't in control of whether he lost or won. MJF threw in the towel. Baltimore crowd was shocked as fuck. I'm, I know some were pissed. I already know that. What happened after that is what I think people are going to be talking about. Cody's still in that moment thought in his heart of hearts that he he felt in that moment he got screwed over because he never tapped nothing like that MJF tells him I'm sorry I'm sorry I threw in the towel I'm sorry you know JR and Excalibur pretty much detailing it you know he's still young you know he still had you know he's, he's his mentor you know he's still a young buck Cody then realizes what he had done he then realizes that he will never challenge for the AEW World Championship ever again. And for a moment, he's pissed. MJF begging him, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do. Cody then stands him up and he understands that. Understands that, I'm sorry. They shake hands. MJF accepts the handshake. And he kicked him in the dick! And in that moment, I laughed. A very, very hearty laugh for about three minutes. Because there's always a certain wait for it moment. Nine times out of ten, you can easily notice when a wait for it moment is about to happen. With MJF and Cody, it wasn't a matter of if he'll turn. It's a matter of when he'll turn. And I think the fact that when he'll turn portion of the program kind of pisses people off and kind of and people are just like yeah mjf turn 
I had this conversation with uh, my buddy Russell at work today, and he didn't like him turning on Saturday. Didn't like it at all. He felt it was too early for MJF to turn. And I, and I can understand where he's coming from in that sense. I think I remember speaking in our group chat, myself, Russell, and Malik. And I believe Malik was, you know, brought it up. And we had had a conversation in the group chat. Russell wasn't involved. He was working that day. And I think we were both on the agreement on like the same plane. It wasn't a matter of if it was going to be a matter of when. He basically said if it's not, and we were came up came up to the same conclusion. If not at full gear, then when? I think I, I was under that guys. Now I didn't say MJF was actually going to do something to Cody. In the predictions, I usually try to go as best as possible to go think of it as a straight up one on one match, and try to think of anything else. But there are you know variables that go into it. You're not going to be wrong in that aspect. But I was to say I was expecting it, you know, it would just be a little bit too much. In that manner, definitely not. What we what matters most from here? And, and I'm being truthfully honest. What matters most not, not be, is not Saturday night. What matters is what's going to happen this Wednesday. If they allow MJF to come out and explain why he kicked his former mentor in the dick. Why did he turn on him? The reason as to why he did it is just matters more than the moment. And if you've understood how MJF cuts his promos, you know he can fucking dig deep into your soul. He can cut into a crowd like nobody's business. He's a great talker. His wrestling could be better, but the man can talk his ass off. And he's like in his early 20s. This youth movement is serious. They take their craft serious. MJF lives this shit. Check out his Twitter. Guarantee you he's talking shit. Salt of the earth. And I can appreciate that. So I have no, you know, mistrust in AEW when I say I know damn well for a fact. Come this Wednesday, MJF is going to cut the promo of his life. Hopefully. Hopefully. But strike while the iron's hot. Why did MJF do what he did? Because if you wait, and this is I think AEW is not gonna make this mistake. They are gonna give you the reason why immediately starting AEW Dynamite. If they're smart. Baltimore turned immediately on MJF. So much so that they a fan actually threw water. At MJF. I ain't seen shit like that since 98. 90 fucking 8. I was 10. When the MWO came out and did some slick shit to any WCWO person trying to get the world title. Crowd would throw trash in the ring. It was mayhem. It was fucking glorious. Those were good times. 
But I think now we start the legacy of heel MJF. And it's going to be a very interesting time now that we are going to more than likely have Cody versus MJF. I don't know when, but whenever they actually have that match, it's going to be something interesting. I'm sure they're going to let this one build for a while. It's going to be a good one. Not going to front. Kicking off the main card, Young Buck, Santana, and Ortiz. I'm really fucking happy Santana and Ortiz won. I really am. I think this was the match that they needed to win to get themselves to the beginnings of prominence. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they do going forward. Now they're going to be involved in this acting division. They finally got that one under their belt, pay-per-view wise. I want to see what they can do. I want to see them start gunning for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. How will they fare against the Lucha Bros? How will they fare against Jurassic Express once they're fully back together? Once they're fully back with Luchasaurus on deck, Private Party, um, Dark Order, SCU. This tag team division, in and of itself, is 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 brought up, you know, with some of the best teams I've seen on the planet. Lucha Bros, Young Bucks, SCU, you know, Santana and Ortiz. These are some of the best tag teams we've seen, period. Anywhere in the world. And for Santana and Ortiz to get the victory made most sense in the world. A good way to open up the card. A very good way to open up the card. I like, I like the fact that you know, Santana and Ortiz went after, you know, went at the um, Rock and Roll Express. That was pretty cool. The whole, you know, sniffing sign on him, that was kind of weird, but whatever. I guess, was, you know, the match itself was was pretty, uh, some would probably say it's a spot fest. It's fine. They had, to, they had a lot of good spots in this matchup. You know, they really wanted to set the tone. They wanted to set the tone for the evening. And I was perfectly fine with that. Opening matches always can make or break your card. So the fact that they had the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz open up the show, I think that was actually the best way to do it. What happened after the match was pretty interesting. So, you know... They start beating down the Bucks after the win. After the Street Sweeper, one, two, three. They start beating down the Bucks. Guevara comes down, makes his way down the ramp, vlogging the entire thing. Fans are booing. Inner Circle celebrating. You know. They bring out the sock full of baseballs. Ortiz starts swinging. Then you see the uh, Rock and Roll Express come up on the apron. They sucker punch Ortiz and Sammy, dump them out the ring. Matt goes after Santana. Santana eating hands. Ricky keeping Sammy down. Slingshotting into a destroyer. That was pretty interesting. Literal slingshot into a destroyer. I was laughing my ass off. I don't know how old Ricky Morton is. I do not know for the life of me. Nor am I even going to try to guess. 
but I'll just go with he's owed, and we're gonna move that move on with that. But the fact that they had did, done a slingshot destroyer, and then did a tope suicide on the outside was fucking crazy. What is he like sixty something? I don't know. He oh, that's all I need to know. Kip Sabian. Kip fucking Sabian. This was an interesting promo by Kip Sabian. You know, him talking about with Golden Boy. Thinking, you know, Golden Boy was an intern. I already like his attitude. You know, Kip stated, ever since I arrived, I was going straight down the middle. Then I started seeing there were alliances all over. Inner Circle. The Elite. So I took it upon myself to carve my own path. That's when I met like-minded men like the Hybrid 2. We haven't worked out perfectly, but even the greatest rock bands didn't come up with their greatest hits right away. Alliances are all about people you can trust and who you have chemistry with. And out fucking comes Penelope Ford. So they announced the Super Bad Squad is here with some sex appeal to inject into this loser company. Penelope then says, why be bad when you can be super bad? Woo! Now, for those of you who don't know, Joey Janela and Penelope Ford used to date for a couple years. It's a weird flex that they're in the same fucking company. <laughs> now, Joe Janela has stated we actually, you know, left on good terms, blah, 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 all that good shit, but it's still going to eat it. I'm sure it's going to eat it him a little bit. Seeing Penelope Ford go from the bad girl to a super bad girl. And so now we have a third up and coming alliance with Kip Sabian. The Hybrid 2, and now Penelope Ford. I'm going to be interested in this little alliance they got going on here, what they're trying to build. Now, the thing is, though, here's, and and I'm throwing a bat in there just to play devil's advocate with this. I know it's still early on for AEW to introduce a mid-card championship, especially when they have the AEW World Title, Tag Titles, and Women's World Championships still slowly being built into prominence, if you will, depending on, you know, how long their title reigns are. But... Without a mid-card title just yet, Guys like Kip Sabian, Joey Janela, and Sean Spears, and those of the like. It's going to be interesting how they're going to build feuds going forward. I know, I know, I say the same thing with NXT UK, but that is my kind of my thing going forward. Now, if they establish the mid-card properly with guys like Kip Sabian, and Joey Janela, and Jimmy Havoc, and Darby Allin, and all those guys, it will get to a point where they have to introduce a mid uh, like, uh, sort of, you know, you like the United States Heavyweight Championship and a Continental Title, something like that. Let's do those things. I don't know what the fuck they would call it, but that's what they would call it. I'll be interested to see what happens with Kit Sabian and the Hybrid 2 and Penelope 4 going forward. 
I'm interested. You have my attention. The Hybrid 2 are actually a decent tag team. And Kip Sabian is, has done some good matches in the ring. Of course, one with Cody. Had a good match with him, not going to lie. So, it's really cool to see what they're going to do now with these guys going forward. And Lady, of course. Awesome Kong and Brandy Rhodes. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. After the Britt Baker v. Priestley match, which I actually thought was a decent match. You know, finally Britt Baker getting her comeuppance over B. Always a plus in my book. Awesome Kong and Brandy Rhodes come out. They attack Baker, attack Priestley. Then Awesome Kong pulled out a knife and shit. Took a piece of B. Priestley's hair with her. Collecting scalps, I see now. Awesome call. I do not know what they're going to do with Awesome Kong just yet. But for my money, all roads lead to going after Little Miss Riho for the AEW Women's World Championship. I'm in. I like this shit. I like it. Brandy Rhodes being heel, having Awesome Kong by her side. The groundwork was already laid. You know. I believe double or nothing. Triple threat match turned into a fatal four way. Awesome Kong is going to be an interesting piece going forward. Between her and Brandy Rhodes. Kind of the same way you see Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard in NXT Kind of that same concept. But with AEW's mindset and their creative, I'm sure they'll do some very interesting things with Rhodes and Kong going forward. I don't, I'm assuming Priestley now is Awesome Kong's first victim. Maybe. And with, you know, still new signings, Mercedes Martinez and Big Swole. Gonna be an interesting thing to see what happens with the rest of this division now going forward. Now that they've added some names. Now that they have Awesome Kong back into the fold. I think it's gonna be even more interesting now than it has been. Speaking of the women's division, Rio, Lil Miss Rio, retaining her women's world championship over her former teacher, Emi Sakura. I like this match. I really, really did. And the thing was, and what what made this even better is that Rio is over with the crowd. I think when she won the AEW World Championship, Women's World Title, I think the crowd in DC kind of started that. I mean, David versus Goliath story. You know, easiest thing in the book when you do it right. Rio beat Nyla Rose and she became champion. Ever since then, the crowds have warmed up to her a bit more. They see her courage. She's all of 98 fucking pounds. Hers tiny. And she's the darling of the division. She is a fighting women's world champion. 
That's something to appreciate. And Baltimore popped for her on Saturday night. They popped. You know, they're warming up to the Japanese style. That strong style. And there, and we've seen plenty of it when NGPW has come to town. Plenty of strong style. I can appreciate strong style because I watch, you know, New Japan. I still do. Progress. British strong style. I like strong style. I like hard hitting in your face. Fight me until you can't no more type of wrestling. I can properly tell stories with the within the battle. I think they knew they could go this route with the Joshi style from both ladies. I mean, the teacher versus student, you know, made it easier. You know, the emotion on Emmy's face before she faced her her student. You know, Rio fighting to surpass the teacher, being able to surpass the teacher. Granted. We only had like two weeks time to, for this to actually build up. And for most of us, you know, especially in WWE terms, two weeks isn't really long enough for a proper build to get to a title match. Because she had just come off defending her championship against Britt Baker. But they already had the model in place. Teacher versus student. There was a tweet that came out a few days before Full Gear. Sakura and Rio face, has fa- have faced each other. 268 times in 12 years. Rio has been training since she was nine. And she's faced her teacher 268 times over 12 years. And they out of that 268 matches, those matches, only seven now times they have faced each other for a title. Rio now leads the series four to three. I appreciated that Emmy had emotion. She was a little overwhelmed knowing she had to face not only was the women's world title on the line, but in order to get the championship, she would have to beat her former student to do it. That That'll make you feel some type of way. I want to be the champion, but I have to go through my own student in order to become a champion. That's crazy. That's crazy to me, but it's a good story. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it was it was it was fantastic to see. You know, it was it was a good match to watch. They really made the crowd warm up to them. And I'm not gonna front. You know, it was it was a good moment. I, I sat there, you know, usually checking my phone and shit, but I didn't have to because it was, you know, I watched it last night. So I just sat there and just watched and enjoyed thoroughly. Rio honestly is coming into her own with AEW. That trend, and honestly, they see her fight, they see her courage, you know, her courageous self, tiny but a fighter will fight to the death if she must in order to keep that women's world title around her waist. Already has two defenses under her belt. Colt now Jericho now has two and SCU is there just had their first. 
So it's still early on for the women's division, but I think soon they'll start getting to the swing of things and they'll start building more contenders. So they got, you know, they got they got some ladies. Allie, Sandy Gibbs, Big Swole, Mercedes Martinez, Britt Baker, Big Priestley, Awesome Kong, Brandy Rhodes. Um, they're, and they're still bringing, you know, Shanna, Emi Sakura, you know, they're Jamie Hayter. I don't know if they signed her, but they had her on a match. You know, before. They have, they have some names. Now it's time to build rivalries and build contenders. I think now, like I said, on Friday, actually uh, last Thursday, if they're going to make this shit relevant, they're going to have to start, you know, building them up. And that's what I want. Now to end the good that was the good, you know, AEW full gear. The fallen angel Christopher Daniels has returned. After the tag team championship match between SCU, Lucha Bros, and Private Party, lights went out. Pentagon Tres, I'm doing that in air quotes, comes out and attacks Ray Phoenix and Pentagon. Mask comes off, and all you see is the old cross, you know, with the, uh, with the ink and stuff on Daniel's eye. Going back to that old TNA former X-Division champion Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. Mind you, I loved the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. I love that character. I like how he got down, former member of Triple X. Those who know TNA from 03 to 06 know exactly what I'm talking about. When Wednesday night pay-per-views was still the shit. Y'all know what I'm talking about, people. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's good to see Christopher Daniels back. SCU is back as whole. And he and now it's SCU Lucha Bros. I think they're gonna do it again. They gotta do it one more time. Private Party was the one who took the pin on Saturday. Now you have Daniels back. You know they're gonna want the Lucha Bros. And they're gonna make that match happen. Probably sometime within like the next month or so. Hopefully. It, it, this one this has been the main feud in the tag division for a while. And pretty soon I know they're gonna start building a new contender. And the fact that the rankings have come out now does help that cause. So it's going to be fun to see how they, they're actually utilizing the rankings. And I know they're going to use the rankings a lot more, you know, as they announced it for world championship, you know, world title matches, um, all that shit. And it's going to be fun to watch. And it's going to be interesting to see now how it works going forward. But I love the fact that Daniels is back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see if this new Fallen Angel character does keep going going forward, or was it just a one night deal? That's what I'm gonna be interested in seeing the most. If he is coming back, you know, as the Fallen Angel, or was it just a one night deal? And you know, we can just enjoy the fact that he has returned to AEW and SCU. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the good 
That was AEW Full Gear. We're going to take a short break, listen from our sponsor, and then we're going to get right into the bad that was AEW Full Gear. Yes, there was a bit of bad on this show. Surprisingly, as much as I did enjoy the show, there was a bit of bad. So, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back with episode 129 of the Young Lions Perspective. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW Full Gear. And of course, this is Born in the Show. Oh, can I speak English today? Jesus Christ. Let's try that again. Okay, this is the point in the show where usually I just go ape shit. I usually wow the fuck out. I say some fucked up shit. Uh, <laughs> y'all know if you, if you listen to enough good, bad, and the uglies, you know I have gone off on this on, on this portion, of this this sphere of the world of that is the YLP universe. Excuse me. And I usually try to tell myself before I record this portion of the program, I'm gonna keep it low key. Excuse me. I, I'm trying not to wild out. I'm gonna keep it cool. And that never usually happens because, again, this is the bad that was AEW Full Gear. So, I'm gonna try to make this as quick as possible so I can make it as painless as possible for you guys. Anywho, Sean Spears and Joy Janela. Decent match. Didn't need to fucking be on the card, though. I understand you needed filler, but this was actually better suited to be on Dynamite. Not gonna lie with you. Like I said, the match was decent. Nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I do like both guys, but like I said, this match was the kind of match that would have been better served on an AEW Dynamite program card. You know? Um, I think this happened at AEW Dark, where I think Spears beat Nakazawa, and Spears was going to hit him with a chair, Janela went after him, and then all of a sudden, we have a match at uh, Full Gear. Um, like I said, this, this is easily... Could have been on AEW Dynamite, and I actually would have enjoyed it a bit more than I would have if it was on a pay-per-view card. Wasn't anything special, you know. It was just a match, but I, the reason I'm not, I'm putting in the bad is because honestly, AEW Dynamite could have kicked off with this match, and they could have got a little bit more time. And he actually honestly could have given us a better match on the Dynamite than they would have at a, a full gear card because, well, they have time constraints and they have to really focus on bigger matches. And it's not like two people I'm actually over with, you know, like not done with, but, you know, not or as over in my head as I know they can be. It's still going to take a bit of time for Joey Janela to actually 
become a household name. Sean Spears, we do know him. If y'all know the Ty Dillinger gimmick, then you understand that. But as far as, you know, these two names, they're just a little bit on, they're just mid-carders. You know, it's nothing special. The match, the match was okay, but I would have rather seen this on Wednesday than on a Saturday. The AEW World Tag Team Championship matchup. I enjoyed it. But for some reason, for some reason, I wish they had gotten it into third gear. I felt like the match ended too soon. It had just completed its second gear and it was about to go right into third gear when all of a sudden, SCU later, one, two, three, we're done. I really would have liked to see it just go a bit longer and give us a little bit more of, you know, just a better, I mean, honestly, I think this one at least 15 minutes, but I, I would have liked to see another 10 just so they can get that last portion of the story told. You know? Like I said, don't get me wrong. The match was was good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed what everyone did in that matchup. You know, of course, the ending with Daniels coming out afterwards making SCU whole again. It was, it was great. It was really, really great. But the fact that, you know, it, it just never... I wish I had gotten... Just gotten to that last little bit. You know, that the match honestly... Kept wanting me to have more. And even with, you know, Phoenix doing all this crazy shit. Pentagon doing some crazy shit. You know, Quinn and Cassidy, they're doing their damn thing. I honestly just wish that I had just 10 more minutes of this action you know I, I, I immediately when the bell rang and you know they hit the, the SCU later you know I don't know I, it, just le- it just left me wanting a bit more with the match I was thinking I need more of that I needed, I needed just 10 more minutes and just a, I needed just a little bit longer to help me, you know, feel complete. And I didn't feel that. I didn't feel necessarily whole with that matchup. It threw me off for a bit. It threw off the flow for a bit of a bit of the night with me on that one. I, I was just ah. Uh, I, I just I just really really thought that I could have gotten that extra little last chapter. In, in the in the story to actually feel good about that matchup. I don't know. Could be just me. Could be just me. I just needed a tad bit more of that. I just, need, I just needed a little bit more. 
It's pronounced POC. Okay? Just, just good. I, I, I'm tired. Of, <laughs> I know I'm being petty right now. It's not PAC. It's POC. Like Tupac? Yeah, POC. The, the entire Hangman Page POC match. I was literally... I, I watched... I, I enjoyed every bit of the fucking match, by the way. But the reason I didn't include Hangman versus Pac in the match is because of that. Ian, I'm just hearing Pac, 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 fucking Pac. You imbeciles! I don't know, it just threw me, it just threw me off a bit for that match. And the other thing about that match, I really would have liked to see Pac win here. I really, really would have liked to see Pac get that victory. Over Hangman. I think he deserved it a bit more than Hangman did. Now people are going to be saying, you know, he's back in the title hunt. All of that. And more than likely he is. But, I think Pac winning definitely would have solidified him as a big threat to the AEW World Championship. I really, really, really would have liked to see that happen. You know, you could have had, I mean, we, you could still have those matches. You could still have big time matchups. But having Pac win honestly would have been a better result than seeing Hangman get the W. I don't know. I mean, because I don't know what they're going to do with, because with AEW, we're still understanding, you know, what they're trying to do going forward. So we're not exactly sure what's going to happen with Hangman. Is he going to get another shot at Jericho? I mean, he was uh, technically, I think, the number three ranked in the AEW World Title Hunt. So he beats two. Cody lost. So does that mean, by proxy, Hangman's now the new number one contender for the AEW World Title again? Are they going to give him another shot at the title? I don't know. I really don't know. I just think Pac winning would have been a better result. And, you know, it's it's cool to let the heel get the, you know, win the feud every once in a while, you know? I would have really liked to enjoy, I really, I really would have enjoyed it. I understand for the story, you know, Hangman being the one to get one over on Pac, that's fine. But it really would have been a very interesting situation. Having Pac defeat Hangman. And seeing what he, what you know, what the Brutalizer is going to do next. What the Bastard is going to do. The reason I put this portion in the bad is because... Albeit... I kind of enjoyed Britt Baker and B. Priestley more than I liked Rio and Emmy Soccer. Like I said, I enjoyed Rio versus Emmy Soccer. It was a good match. I think B and Britt had a little bit more behind it. Especially with what happened after the match with Kong and Brandy Rhodes. It definitely would have been nice to see them on the main card but I get that it was a buy-in special 
and that they had to hook fans into buying the pay-per-view. I got that. Uh, that's not an issue. I just think Britt Baker and Pete Reese was actually better. I don't know. I think because because the fact that there was more behind it ever since you know fight with the fallen. That's maybe why it definitely got me more interested in Britt uh, Brit Baker versus Pete Priestley than Rio versus Emmy. And, and don't get me wrong, the teacher versus student angle is always a plus. It's just, you know, there was an unwritten rule. B broke that rule. Britt wanted to take pretty much take B's middle boom and freaking just rip it off face. Or whatever she called it. I don't know. I mean, she's a dentist. She knows her stuff. I, don't, I just, and just, I just enjoyed that a bit more than I did with Rio and Emmy. It didn't take much for me to warm up to the match. I was like, yes, they're about to go at it. Let's go. I don't know. I mean, like I said, the, the buying has to, has to hook you. So having B versus Brit, I get it. You know, they wouldn't put a Janela versus Spears on there because fans would probably be like, what the fuck is it? They had to have something with a story behind it. So I totally get that. And now going forward, we have to see what the women's division is going to do. Again, this is this is now, I've spoken about this at length. You know, I've said the AEW women's division is pretty weak. It looks weak. I understand, but I know people are going to probably be like, I know. I know. We're going to be in week seven. Come this Wednesday. Now you have to start establishing contenders. You've got your first bit of story out of the way. And now you start your next chapter with the women's division. And you have to make it right. Make it look good. Feel good, smell good, all that stuff. I, I Again, I still don't know what my tears will be going forward. It's going to be a while before you get the tears. I thought, I thought it would take a little bit less for me to figure out who's top tier, mid tier, and low tier. But with now the new signings, I have to go back. I have to reset and go back to square one. And that's okay. It's just from here on out now, establish your if establish your division. Rio's at the top. Build from there. the The whole scene is now wide open. Sakura out back in the line. Britt just beat B, so I mean she might get a shot. Kong getting back in the swing of things. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what, who's gonna step up next. Who's gonna be that next top contender? That's the story they have to take care of starting Wednesday night. That's what they have to do. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see who they have as their next in line going forward. It, like I said, the, the it's wide open at this point. It's quite open. Hmm. Let me see if there's anything else bad. This might be actually a shorter segment than I thought it would. Do, 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 do. This is bad radio. Yeah. I Yeah. I pretty much got nothing else for this segment. That, that shows you how 
pretty decent, this, pretty good this show was. So, well, like I said, I kind of feel weirded out now. I thought I was going to go at least 20 minutes on this one. I mean, if you do it, if you come up with anything that you may have seen that was bad from the Saturday night, let me know in a, with a voice message. Other than that, we're going to take a short break and get into the ugly. That was AEW Full Gear. And trust me, I haven't spoken about it yet. And I think you should have an idea of what we're going to talk about. We'll be right back. Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Unsanctioned lights out match. That was probably some of the most cringiest shit I may have ever seen in my entire life when it comes to professional wrestling. That match. was absolutely in fucking sane. Insane. I've seen a few death matches in my day. Not usually the biggest of fans when it comes to death matches. When it comes to crazy matches like that. But when you have two guys who they've built up when this match was when this match was literally made right after all out every person who was interested in AEW knew how insane these two were going to go at each other so much so to the point where AEW couldn't sanction the match and Moxley got pissed at Tony Khan for saying they're you know covering for their boy and all that which I fucking loved They literally they literally went past nuts. Crazy started three minutes before the match even started. Then went full oop shit about halfway in. I'm trying to let words come out, but all I'm really thinking about is just those moments. That moment, that moment where Omega did a tope on Hio over the jumping over the top rope, landing on Moxley onto the table. The you know the chair shots, the backflip with a moonsault with a garbage can that literally missed. By the way, um, we're not, we're not just gonna not point that out. You know, bringing out the barbed wire bat, the barbed wire broom, the fucking thing with the mouse traps. That was fucking, oh my God. The broken glass that I initially thought it was thumbtacks. 
And then we saw Omega pull a shard of broken glass out of the bag and proceeded to cut John Moxley's fingers on the web part. And then we got the barbed wire spider web. And that's where shit went completely off the rails. The crowd in Baltimore went ballistic when they saw that barbed wire spider web come out. The fact that they had Kenny point to the Young Bucks and Hangman, them trying to convince him that he shouldn't be doing this. He's gone too far. And Omega tells them to get it anyway. For the sake of knowing that he went to war with Moxley and won. And then you had the V-trigger through one portion of the stage. And then you had more action on the broken glass. The referee himself had a count with his hand hitting broken glass. The detailing by Excalibur and JR was perfect. Perfect. The referee sold it very well. It was fucking, it it was literally beautiful, glorious violence that Moxley had predicted. It was without a doubt one of the craziest matches I had ever seen. And I've seen TLC matches. I've seen you know, barbed wire cage matches. I've seen barbed wire ropes matches. No ropes matches. Um, you know, blood sport. You know, when they have it. The event, with that, the one that uh, Josh Barnett has. I've seen crazy, insane shit in the world of professional wrestling. But this, this, this is the cherry on top. This, this tops all of that. The creativity in mind, you got to have to not only have the mindset to go into that and just be like, yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah, we're going to do this spot. You know, we're going to, we're going to hit this. Whew. It is absolutely insane. Just for for Moxley and Omega to put their bodies on the line just to prove that they were better than the other man they were facing. Woo! It 
it was it's it was one of those things where you knew i mean the the, the chain the gold link chain oh my god the gold link chain Just like just they they just probably sat there in that room going over the matches thinking what the f- like what kind of crazy fucking shit you have in your in that head of yours right now. The glass is probably all omegas, and I knew Moxie would probably be all for it. I'm not saying they're gonna do this all the time, but it's those kind of matches that define a rivalry. It had gotten so bad between Moxley and Omega that they had to fight each other in an unsanctioned match where AEW was not going to be held responsible for what they did in that ring. Or anywhere else the fucking... They did. I'm still going over it over in my head right now. I mean, Chris Jericho... With the Chris Jericho-Cody match, that dude took eight huge stitches. For that cut. Not medically cleared to compete anytime soon. I mean, I'm gonna take a second to take a sip of orange juice. Matches like that for me don't come often. Where I'm literally speechless trying to think of things that happened. And they're all running a mile a minute. I think the last time I actually had that was Tyler Bate Walter. I think it was one of those matches where it, it, it was it was a it was a straight up demolition derby, and you couldn't look away from it. I'm just, I mean, we may never see a match like that ever again in AEW. Not even going to front. It was just beautiful, glorious violence, the likes we haven't seen in a long, long time. And we may never see again. And for Moxley and Omega to give us that kind of match, that, I mean, bravo. Bravo. So that, ladies and gentlemen, was the good, the bad, and the ugly that was AEW Full Gear. Now we get into the fun part of the program, which is me me giving you my top three matches of the night. And, of course, all the awards I like to hand out that I don't have, and I just do it for the funsies of it. So, top three matches of the night. I already have my number one and number two, so that's not even much of an issue. What matters is number three. Number three. Well, I'm going to go with the ladies having a tie. I know, I know. I like Brick Baker and B Priestley better than I like Rio and Emmy. That's fine. I don't care. The ladies get a tie on this one. Both matches did what they had to do. Told two good stories, you know, with B and Brit that had gone all the way back to um, Fight for the Fallen. With Rio and Emmy Sakura, this has been a 12-year, I wouldn't even consider it a feud, necessarily. 
But uh, just a you know, twelve years they faced each other two hundred sixty eight times, seven title matches, and Rio now takes the lead four three. That's not fucking you know we're not just gonna, gonna put sweep that under the rug. You know what I mean? It's wonderful shit. And they really did what they had to do to get their points across. They make their sto- they had those stories be told. It was well done. They made it great, and I thoroughly enjoyed every last bit of it. So, well done, ladies. You made the top three of AEW Full Gear Top 3. Number two. Number two. You would think this match would be number one. But I'm making it number two. John Moxley, Kenny Omega. I know, I know, Beautiful Glorious Violence should always be number one when it comes to AEW, but... I think why number one and number two are what they are is because of the more so significance of the match itself. This was technically an unsanctioned match. A match nonetheless, but unsanctioned, which means none of it matters in the win-loss column or the rankings. Moxley was the better man that night. He fought through. Oh, and by the fucking way, yeah, good. I mean, well done on the Gargano Champo, John. Of course, like always remember, kids, no idea is original in professional wrestling. Shut up. Um, but yeah, the pine boards. Oh my. Oh, I forgot about the pine boards. Dear fucking God. Backdrop. Phoenix splash miss. Paradigm shift. Leaping paradigm shift. Head first. And we're calling it. Oh my. Oh, God. Still a good match, though. Still a good match. Holy shit. But number one, I think you kind of have an idea that it was obvious. Cody and Chris Jericho takes the night. And they are crowned kings of AEW Full Gear. They get my top spot. Just the significance of it. The heel turn from MJF. The 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 um the cut that spot, the battle, you know, it was everything I it was everything that Cody Chris Jericho was supposed to be. They did well for themselves. It was fan fucking tastic. Thoroughly impressed. You know, thoroughly impressed. They did a great job on that. I think that was the best match that you could probably get of the night. And then, so that's my top three. And now we get, of course, to my worst match of the night. A lot of very bad matches have made this list. And we get to add one more to the collection. And that match, Sean Spears, Joey Janela. You know as well as I do, that match would have been better served in the AEW Dynamite. Two, I mean... Good to have the match on the card. Good to give them some pay-per-view exposure. But they really shouldn't have had that on pay-per-view. And you know it. And I know it. So. Who was the MVP of AEW Full Gear? A lot of of solid picks. A lot of solid picks. My heart wants to go with the city of Baltimore for, putting, for actually putting on 
a lively experience for the wrestlers to be in and to, you know, you know, pop when they had to pop, boo when they needed to boo, which was great. But there is one person I do have in mind. There is one fucking person I do have in mind. My MVP, ladies and gentlemen, and yes, I assumed your genders, of AEW Full Gear is none other than John Moxley. John Moxley is my MVP. With what he had to go through to not have the match at all out against Kenny Omega. Then immediately having the match set up with Kenny Omega for full gear on Saturday. He he did what he had to do. This is the biggest win of his AEW career so far. Beating a Kenny Omega definitely puts you in the conversation, regardless of ranking. It, it shouldn't even matter. Now that Moxley has beaten Omega, he's finally gotten past Omega. There's a lot that can happen. There's a lot of things that can happen for Moxley going forward. He has now passed Omega. Omega's done. Fair and square, beat him. But I think Moxley's story is going to be the biggest story going forward, and that starts this Wednesday night. I'm going to be interested to see what they actually do with John Moxley going forward. Because I'm really curious to see how and where his path will be. Will it be towards the AEW Championship, or will it be to someone else? Who knows? But seriously, I mean, John Moxley definitely deserves the award, regardless if he doesn't get a plaque from me or not, or if he ever hears that he got an, uh, uh, the MVP from yours truly. But what matters most, and it's been a while, so y'all know what time it is, the final grade for AEW Full Gear. I had been racking my brain on the grade all day. Really have. Now, like I said, this is a good, this is a really good show that did a lot of good things for AEW as a whole. That didn't come without its mistakes, though. And I explained that in last segment as much as I possibly could, even though it was a very shorter, a much shorter segment than I was used to. But with all that we had, from beginning to end, from me, AEW Full Gear receives a B. I think this was a it's a proper grade for it. I think, you know, if it was, you know, I could have gone B plus, no problem, but I think a solid B for their first pay-per-view post-Dynamite era, beginning of the Dynamite era, I should say, they did well. In the in six weeks, they gave you intriguing television that kept you coming back for more. And all eyes are going to be on AEW this Wednesday night. So much so, I think they may hit a million. I think they may hit a million. Because of now, uh, coming off a of pay-per-view, a lot of eyes are going to on the product to see what do what's their next chapter now. We've gotten past the pay-per-view. Jericho's still world champion. Moxley beat Omega. MJF turns on Cody. SEU Lucha Bros. The women's division. What, we're gonna, what are we going to see from that going forward? Especially with the new signings and all that. The tag team scene. Um, 
What does Hangman Page do going forward? Pot, Omega, all that. Inner Circle still runs the show, in a sense. The Elite, what are they going to do to counter? What do you, and that, and I think that's why there's room for growth for AEW pay-per-views. I've given higher grades for, of course, for All Out. I think I believe I give it an A for the show. I just call it how I see it. And I think, again, a B is a very solid grade for this show. It was good, but still had its bad moments. And I know they'll work, they'll do very well to work upon that. So, Shouldn't be all that much of an issue, but now we get to see the next chapter, the new road to whatever big show they have, which won't be probably for another couple of months because I know that this was their last pay-per-view of 2019. It's going to be interesting to see how they do going forward now. This is post-pay-per-view. What stories do you have now? What's the next chapter? And I think that B could get up to a B B plus A minus territory, maybe upon their next pay-per-view. Whenever that may be. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to round out the good, the bad, and the ugly that was AEW Full Gear. Of course, we're going to take a quick break. And by quick, I mean very quick. And we're going to close out the show, of course, in always. Of course, in always. Bad grammar. Mm -hmm. Of course, always in proper YLP fashion. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 129 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I get appreciate it. Again, guys, I'm not going to stress this enough until polls close. Vote for your boy, the Young Lions Perspective, for newcomer of the year, 2019 Wrestling Podcast Awards. Go to my Twitter, at SwayTenitorWWI. Find the pinned tweet. Go to the tweet that I've retweeted. Vote. You know, click the hyperlink. Vote for who you want to win. Doesn't matter who. Solid Monster, JD from NY206, Joe Cronin. Uh, Sledgehammer TV podcast, Solid Monster, all those guys, the big heavy hitters, New Age Insiders. I believe Stephen Larson might be up for a few awards. Vote for the Kings of Rings podcast. Vote for King of the Rings podcast. They're up for six nominations. Vote for Kings of the Rings podcast. They're a great podcast, and I would love to see them get at least a couple of them, except me, except my award, Newcomer of the Year. You know, that's that's good. I'm, I'm gunning for it, people. I'm gunning for it. Anyway, seriously, vote for who you want to win, but don't forget, though, to vote for your boy, Hopefully, newcomer of the year 2019 for the Wrestling Podcast Awards. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Like I said, again, I'm, I'm trying to find information on when polls close so I can inform you guys of when polls close and make it a little more urgent for you guys to actually vote for me. Do it. Just do it. Vote for me. You know, it'll be a wonderful experience for us all if we can get that W. But other than that, guys, if you did enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Seriously. Get the word out there, y'all. We are in November. It is War Games and a Survivor Series. You want them to get in on the action and let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, if you do not happen to have the Anchor app, and that's fine. I'm not mad at you for not having it. You know, 
You do you. We're going to do what's over here. You do you. But if you still want to check out, you know, this episode of the podcast and all the other 128 episodes of The Young Lions Perspective, including five episodes of The Secret Files and six episodes of Outside the Ropes, and promise you I will be bringing you more Outside the Ropes and, you know, Secret Files coming very soon. It's close to the end of the year. You know, why not spice it up a little bit, you know, just give you a heads up. But The Secret Files, when it drops, it drops. So you know. But you can still find this episode of the podcast, all the other episodes of the podcast across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, all the good stuff, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Retractive Across all these several different platforms. You should have no problem finding it whatsoever. Y'all, episode 130. Of the Young Lions perspective will be going down. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know when it's coming. Y'all should know when it's coming. This Thursday. Of course, y'all know what it is. AEW Dynamite Review to get you ready for before Thursday night football with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. I'll be giving you my prediction for that matchup as well. All that good stuff. So, you know, just like I said, we want a little bit of regular rotation now. We got this going. We got this going. But of course, it is Monday night, and I'm giving y'all my prediction, and I'm going to be very fucking biased because fuck the 49ers. We win in the night. Seahawks win 35-30 to 30 in a shootout, and I pray to God Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf can get me 40 points so I can get this victory and shut my homeboy's brother up because he's been talking all week, and I can't stand for it. But other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your next couple of days. And I'll see, enjoy Dynamite, enjoy NXT, and I'll see you guys right back here Thursday for episode 130 of the Young Lions Perspective. See ya!